This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams, Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And it was a stunner this weekend. No no other way to put it. It was a, uh, it was one of the, you know, if you look at point spreads, I think the worst loss Georgia's had since 1994. Uh, the, the la- that was the last time Georgia won as a 20-point or more favorite. Uh, home game against Vanderbilt. I believe that would have been uh, Jim Donnan's second year, maybe his first year. I'm not 100% sure. Ray Goss last year, right in that area. But but a 20-17 to 17 loss to South Carolina. Uh, we've, we've got a lot to unpack there. We're, we're going to talk about a lot of that stuff. Uh, we're we're going to talk about what went wrong, uh, what Georgia can do to fix the things uh, that they have going on. Uh, the expectations for the rest of the year uh, and and maybe try to hit on some of the games that happened this weekend and we're going to jump right into it and Rusty let's just hit the nail on the head right here right to start with what went wrong oh man that's it just comes straight to me huh um to be honest with you too now I'm having I was having to watch bits and pieces yesterday made a post on the board uh, daughter was in homecoming court yesterday at Kennesaw State was proud of that but I had to get back to work, follow it, kind of figure out what was going on. Uh, Kip was texting me. A couple of our board members, subscribers were texting me. Uh, I had to go up uh, basically in the third quarter and, and watch. And I'm thankful somebody let me sit in their little quote-unquote suite at Kennesaw State. I had to watch the end of the game uh, from about eight minutes on in the fourth quarter. So there's a lot there. I, I think um, the thing you look at most, and, and I know everybody – it's almost like a, a visit high – you know, we, I let kids, you know, get home and kind of process things. You try to get them on Monday or Tuesday after they wore You know, this wasn't a high, but there's also emotions involved with a game like this, obviously. And kind of sit back, went back and watched the, the, the replay today about 5 o'clock, looked again. And, you know, it was just a – it was a, a lot of things that went into this. It was, it was Jake Fromm not having a great day. Uh, some of the play calling, I, I will not sugarcoat it. The the running, um, you know, it, it looked to me like Will basically said after about the third series of the game, our corners can lock up your wide receivers, so we're going to lock them down on third downs. They went a lot of man coverage, cover one, uh, and challenged Georgia. Georgia was unable to make a play when they were open. Jake didn't hit them. Uh, some first down, second down consistencies of just running the ball, so – you know, you try to package all of that together, and it, it wind up being for South Carolina a perfect storm. And I want to be—I want to be very clear with this. Now, 
South Carolina played a hell of a game, and, and they have a pretty dad blame good team kind of head-scratching their record where they are. And I'm going to tell you this, too. If their quarterback don't go down, I don't know what direction that game was going to end because if Georgia had no answer for him the series he was in, the couple series he was in. And he was dialed in. He was making some big throws. So you never know what would happen had he stayed in the game. Uh, that concerns you a little bit. I'm going to talk more about expectations the rest of the year. But as far as what went wrong, I think it just snowballed. I think – uh, you know, Georgia got in a situation where they, they couldn't run the ball. They couldn't uh, hit receivers when they were open. They had some drops, and there was some questionable play calling. You put all that together in a bye week for Will Muschamp in South Carolina with no pressure, and you go home with a, 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 a home loss, the first ever home loss for Jake Fromm, and, boy, the pressure, the pressure now is on Georgia every single week. Uh, I've got a simple answer to the question, and it's all of it. I mean, the defense played well, but defense played its best ball against the backup quarterback. And uh, I'm with you on what you said about uh, uh, Ryan Helensky uh, going down, Rusty. Uh, you know, I think Georgia had had did a pr- had done a pretty good job adjusting to him, and they did a pretty good job late in the second second quarter, and and did a pretty good job on him there early in the third quarter before he went down. But it, it, you know, if he's in that game for for the whole stretch, you know, it might not be. It might be a situation where Georgia's not in it as much as they could have been in it, as they were in it, and had a chance to win that game like they did. But, you know, I did think the defense played pretty well. I, I thought the defensive line put out a gutsy performance, and I and I say that knowing that Georgia owned the time of possession battle, and that's what puzzled me the most about that game was Georgia never wore South Carolina down. They never that that's what Georgia hangs its hat on. Sure. And I don't know what South Carolina did to prevent that. I know they played a lot of players up front and, and they rotated and all that stuff. But Georgia typically is able to wear a team down. They didn't wear South Carolina down. Jake Fromm was off. I don't think it was bad decisions outside of the the pick where I think he just kind of got, based on his explanation to me afterward, he kind of got caught in between trying to throw it away and trying to give George Pickens a chance to make a play and get a first down there and, and didn't get enough on it. But the, the, the coming out from under center a little early on the snap, that was on him. Uh, the other two interceptions weren't necessarily. Uh, the offensive line, listen, man, there are times when teams are going to put put a lot of guys in the box and be able to limit Georgia and put them behind the chains. But South Carolina beat Georgia man-to-man. I mean, I'm not saying that they didn't put guys in the box because they did, and, and you had guys flying up and making tackles at a high clip, and, and those guys deserve a lot of credit. But Javon Kinlaw gave Trey Hill nightmares. Uh, I, th- I think that's pretty obvious. Trey Hill really struggled in that game. Georgia's a little dinged up on the interior. You saw Cade Mays at right guard uh, and left guard. You saw uh, Jamari Sawyer come in at right guard. Ben Cleveland uh, is dealing with an injury. Justin Schaefer's probably going to be out for an extended period, period of time after sustaining a neck sprain in that game. So, so a lot of that, you know, there, just a lot of stuff went wrong. You had receivers dropping passes. Uh, you had some crucial penalties in some big moments. And, uh, and it just didn't – it just wasn't a situation where Georgia recovered. And, uh, you know, I'm not blaming it on the defense at all because I think the defense stood tall and did its job. Adam Anderson stop on fourth and – you know, to, to make sure. it fourth and three and make – I mean, that was a big-time football play. Speed. Speed. Yeah, Speed. absolutely. That was huge. And, and you know, there were some times where the defense – Tyler Clark's play 
Those guys came up with plays. If they come up with a turnover or two, maybe you're looking at a different result. But you can't can't put any of this on the defense. The offense struggled badly. I'm not even as bad as, as, you know, crossed up on the play calls or or don't have as big an issue with the play calls. I I did watch that Florida – uh, LSU game, and we may talk about that here at the end of the show a little bit, but I saw some things where Florida was trying to play tight man coverage against LSU, and they were able to get some rubs and redirect some cornerbacks in, in phase and and uh, and get some open guys, and Georgia didn't do a very good job about that But with that. But Jake Fromm was, was off. Even when guys had a step, he wasn't hitting them. He threw a ball behind DeAndre Swift that would have got Georgia in field goal range. Um, there, there, there were just a lot of things that went wrong, and Georgia was in that game at the end. And, and I want to tell Georgia fans this: like, if you're listening to this, I th- this, this is something that needs to be said. Okay, whether it's Jake Fromm struggling, the offensive line struggling, the drop passes, um, the clock mismanagement issues, because Georgia absolutely let 12, 13 seconds tick off the clock before calling a timeout. There were 45 seconds left, and those those seconds would have been valuable at the end of regulation. Okay, that was that was a gaffe. That was a mess up, and and that's just all there is to it. But ultimately, you got to understand that that was the worst version of a Georgia football team that that you could probably find. Four turnovers to creating none. Quarterback was off, run game wasn't there, and that was a bad version of Georgia. You've seen a better version of Georgia, a much better version of Georgia this year. Maybe not for a complete game, but you've seen it for three quarters. You've seen it for two and a half quarters. That's something that needs to be kind of realized in this whole deal, is that this is not Georgia from now until the end of the football season. This is a team, the team that showed up on Saturday. Kirby Smart gets paid $7 million annually on average to make sure that team doesn't show up again and to make sure the Bulldogs get better. And uh, if they do that, they've got a chance. If they don't, they don't. And, you know, I'm eating prime rib at Outback on January, you know, late December. That's just kind of how it goes because they're in the Outback Bowl. But ultimately, that, that is what you have to kind of focus on, is that Georgia's a better team than they showed Saturday. They've got to sh- let that better team show up more often, and they've got to increase the, the ceiling of that better football team. And, and that's just kind of the way I see it, Rusty. Jake, let me, let me touch on this, Drew. That, that's a great point. I'll say this, and I'll take Alabama out of the equation because regardless of what you think, Alabama, you don't see them have games like this. Okay, they they put opponents opponents away, but you just look in the last say calendar twelve months at teams, and Georgia didn't finish this game, and very well could have, and didn't play great at all, just didn't win it. Oklahoma went into overtime last year with Army. Ohio State lost to Purdue. Clemson two weeks ago was on the last play of the game against North Carolina a team that lost to Appalachian State. It happens. These are young men. I am not taking up for anybody because you you have to win these games. But at the end of the day, these are 18, 19, 20-year-old young men, 21-year-old young men. These are not professionals. You're going to have a game like this at some point, and Georgia lost it. That, that, and, and I feel like we're going to talk about expectations, so I don't want to tip anything, but you look at some other teams – and it happens, and Georgia just happened to lose this one. And and oftentimes, and, and this is where the kind of the indication rather than a blip on the radar kind of comes into play, 
Rusty, is that oftentimes the championship teams do find a way to win that game. Now, so there are times when they don't. You know, Florida lost to that Ole Miss team that year when when Tebow made his, um, you know, declaration at the podium. Uh, You know, Clemson lost to Pittsburgh a couple, two or three years ago, four years ago, somewhere in there. Went on to have a big season. Uh, You know, they oftentimes – the games that that end up being like this are ones that the better team ends up finding a way to win at the end. Georgia didn't find a way to do that, and like you said, there's no margin for error. Now you gotta you've got to stay on the you got to stay on the asphalt the rest of the way. You yep. can't cross the, the 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 white or the yellow line anymore. You've got to stay right in that lane and win them out to to have a chance to to meet the, this team's goals coming into the year. You don't have a mulligan left. If you're a golfer, you got to keep it in a fair way the rest of the year. And and, and Georgia knows that. Um, you know, with LSU last night and Oklahoma winning, uh, Ohio State with a remaining schedule, the margin of error for Georgia is over. They certainly, certainly uh, have opportunity left in front of them. And your piece today, I thought, Jake, it was good. Uh, Georgia has everything in front of them, but the margin of error is gone. Now, both of you, I kind of want everybody, I want us all to give our take on this, but uh, Kip, I'll start with you. Is Georgia capable? Is Georgia capable of doing that? Do you see the, the a team that can make that happen the rest of the way? I think that is the biggest question. We, we talk about everything that went wrong in this game did go wrong for Georgia pretty much. And that's where, you know, the mystery lies is, you know, was this just the culmination of a lot of, you know, mistakes, self-inflicted wounds, but also, you know, Will Muschamp having two weeks to have an outstanding game plan, him and Brian McClendon, the whole staff, you know, was it credit to them for just having that game plan and things going wrong? Or or is this a blueprint that, that brings, you know, bigger issues with Georgia to the surface. I think that's the thing we're going to find out this month. But as far as, you know, is Georgia capable of running the table? You know, absolutely. And, and you guys point out, you know, that, that this has happened before. I mean, there is definitely precedent for a really bad loss not being, you know, the ultimate narrative uh, storyline for the team that year. I mean, you look at Alabama that, you know, 2015, game against Ole Miss, a team that no, that they had no business being in that game, but Alabama has five turnovers in that game, you know, and they end up losing that game. And, and then the season before that, you know, Ohio State had a similar game against Virginia Tech, you know, where, where they had three or four turnovers as well, an early loss, a real ugly loss to them as well. Teams have, you know, the, these ugly losses. And, and so, you know, it, it, pre- it creates an opportunity for Georgia now to, to go back and look at that and now know, you know, what what items they need to fix. And I do think these are fixable items. I mean, uh, Trey Hill, again, you know, the snaps and then his overall quality of play, I, I think that it is – there's an experience issue there as well. There has been a drop-off, you know, from the quality of play since Lamont Galliard, you know, graduated and went to the NFL – I think that that is something where he's going to be able to get better at and, and his quality and play will improve over time. It's something that Georgia needs to continue to push and, and just, you know, get him as much practice time as he can. And and I think that that is an area that there's a lot of room for improvement and the arrow is still pointed up there. And at the same time, you know, while they don't have that Miko Hardman 
you know, on the team. And I think that that's one item we really overall uh, we talked Question. about. We talked about it a lot, you know, in the off season. But then when the season started and, uh, you know, the wind started piling up that, you know, it kind of went back to the background again. But they lost a lot of wide receiver. And it's not just, you know, the talent or, or just the overall speed, but it's also just that chemistry that Jake Fromm had with those guys. And that's something that he can continue to build with the guys he has right now, you know, with with George Pickens, with Dominic Blaylock. You know, having Lawrence Cager healthy, the game, the game, the outcome of, of Saturday's game could have been a lot different. You know, he was getting in that rhythm with him, and he was making those tough catches. At the same time, I mean, is Demetrius Robertson fully healthy again? I mean, having him healthy, that offense looks different. You know, he is that guy that can stretch the defense and and make those big time plays. So, I mean, I think when we're looking at this team right now offensively is is where most of the question marks are right now and i think that the ability is there for them to play better much better football than what we saw against the gamecocks and i, I mean i think it's an opportunity uh, for, for georgia to go back and 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 to fix these mistakes and these self-inflicted wounds and, and to play inspired football down the stretch so i'm looking at this team right now they have overall what they need to put a great product on the field offensively, and there there are some execution, you know, mistakes to overcome. And and, and Jake Fromm again played one of, if not, you know, the worst game of his career. He's got that, you know, behind him now, and, and he can go back and look and see where can I get better, and what what can I do to, you know, possibly see these routes, you know over the middle of the field, get the ball out quicker when you're trying to push the ball downfield. And, and then, you know, for, for James Coley, you know, this is your opportunity to uh, to really get get out in front of it and, and to start opening things up on, on just having varied route trees and not having these wide receivers kind of maybe all at the same stage coming back on slants or going all in verticals. You know, just to change it up a little bit and get some pace going. I mean, we continue, it, it appears that Georgia looks better when they have tempo. And it's something that I know a lot of fans, you know, on the junkyard have mentioned that, that, you know, they, they want to see the, the team play with a little bit more pace. Maybe that's something they take a closer look at during the bye week. They, you know, that it's something that has worked well. And then at the same time, you know, you, you got to start figuring out who your, your go-to guys are in this offense. And I think that when you look at Demetrius Robertson, when you look at Lawrence Cager, you know, you look at Pickens and Blaylock, and then again, you look, you look at James Cook as a guy that's explosive, a guy that maybe when they have him on the field, the defense kind of knows if he's going in motion, you know, what the play is going to be. Start utilizing him in different ways. I mean, if you have him and DeAndre Swift on the field at the same time, have him in the slot, you know, try to get him the ball in different ways. I think he got five touches in this game. He should have had more touches in the game. I mean, that's a big difference. So it's something that you can fix. I don't think these are their issues that, that Georgia can't overcome and become a much better team when they need to be throughout the rest of the season. Rusty, what what are your thoughts? George capable? Certainly, certainly believe they're capable. You know, um, you look at a team and you look at the players. This is a this is a look in the mirror time time for this this program after a loss like that. But you look at guys like Jake Fromm, Andrew Thomas, DeAndre Swift, 
Tyler Clark, J.R. Reed, um, these guys, Eric Stokes, that have played a lot of football for University of Georgia. Uh, their time is winding down in Athens. The, the, the amount of times they're going to run out on that field between the hedges are, are, are counting down for a lot of those guys. And, you know, I think the coaching staff will make changes. They'll do this, they'll do that. Anybody that's been around football knows the, the locker room, the, the, the players, they've got to execute things. Uh, this team is still together. I, I just know there's a lot of leadership, and I hear a lot of things. If we were doing this podcast last year, there's no way I could sit here and say from the, some of the things I'd heard. And I wasn't sure until after the season, but you started hearing all these mixed things about things going on in the locker room, some, 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 some things. And, you know, a lot of those guys aren't here anymore. Not going to say anything about anybody else there. I'm going to say that I believe this team is unified. I believe they have a leader in Jake Fromm. I believe Jake Fromm knows that was not a Jake Fromm performance. And these guys will come out. And you look at history under Kirby Smart after a loss, right or wrong, because of having a loss, but they've been pretty damn focused under him and been focused for a while. So last it, last two years, Rusty, 7-0. and history 7-0 would, and after losing a regular season game. Sure. History will tell you, and that's a great stat, Jake. I'm glad you came out with that. History will tell you that Georgia, for whatever reason, turns a switch on. So – uh, you know, you got to get past these kind of games like this, but I have I, I have a feeling that this is that game for the Georgia Bulldogs. I saw somebody today call it Georgiaing, uh, if that's the word. Uh, used to be Clemson, and, and Clemson got rid of that uh, label. So can Georgia run the table? They've got all the pieces to the puzzle. Kip made a great point. This is the question of the remaining year that only will be answered. Can they get it changed uh, coaching-wise? Can they find the right pieces of the puzzle can they get guys healthy we can all talk the rest of this podcast and we can type up every story we want but it's all going to be answered in time but georgia has the jimmies and the joes and to me that is the most important part i cannot stress and jake and kip made a great point there i cannot stress the loss of miko Hardman not being there because he was that guy punt returns you know, the, he could stretch you at any time. He was a hold your breath. Uh, he was coming into age as a, as a receiver. A lot, a lot of football he played with Jake Fromm. And listen, everybody has early entries. Everybody. This is a totally different situation with, with Roddy Ridley and Miko Hardman. They don't have either, so they got to make things fixed. Uh, what they got, Lawrence Cager's got to get healthy because he has been a valuable, valuable addition to this team. Kip, Kip already hit on our next topic pretty heavily, so I'm going to jump in and kind of bleed my answer to this question in with the next topic, which was fixing things offensively. And, yeah, I think George is capable. I, I, don't, I don't think there's very many people in the country who doubt that, that, that George is capable of, of winning out and, and getting where it wants to go, uh, especially if it gets better and it keeps that team that showed up on Saturday from showing up. Um, I think that the way they play defense is going to keep them in ball games. They've got to find a way to kind of to limit the big play defensively. They've getting gotten hit with one of those in each of the past two weeks, so they've got to find a way to to, to eliminate that one. But I, I do think this defense has what it takes to keep you in games. But I'll say this about the offense, 
and getting things fixed and getting them fixed quickly. Because like I said, that was our next topic. Sometimes when you do what Georgia did through the first five games, which is win four of them convincingly and take control of one of them at one point before, you know, Notre Dame kind of scored late and gave themselves a chance. You, you feel like what you're doing is right. That if you just continue to do what you're doing and do it better, that you're going to be just fine. Well, it, it comes down to this. Um, losing a game may very well allow you the opportunity. may very well put you in a situation where you've got to reevaluate and you've got to change some things up. And, and maybe you push some things to the forefront of the, of the playbook, to, of the offensive game plan that you have in there, but you didn't necessarily think you needed to rely on. And I'm not saying that's through you were saving those things. I'm saying that, that those are explosive things, explosive elements to the offense that you had in there. I mean, listen, guys, I went back and watched some of the offensive stuff that that Jim uh, that James Coley did at Miami. And quite frankly, I mean, Miami was 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 it was more explosive. It put it put the coverage in conflict more. They had more um, throws down the field. There were it, it was it was different than what we're seeing at Georgia. There weren't as many of these stop routes and. They, they were hitting receivers in stride, and and it may have been a you know it, I don't know why I don't know why Georgia's offenses looked the way it's looked I don't know why that it's just looked a little bit out of sync for portions of just about every game outside of the Arkansas State game, but you know I, I think that that the offense that showed up the first three series of the season against Vanderbilt is more like what Georgia wants to be. I thought Georgia kept Vanderbilt off balance. And listen, that's not a very good Vanderbilt team. They got their pants beat off at home by UNLV this past week. So I get that. Bad. But still, it's it's how you jump out of the season and, and get started. And, and I thought Georgia did a good job early on. And I thought they I think they've done a good job in portions of other games as well. But losing that game, that you know, the, instead of looking at you, looking in the mirror and making sure your 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 right buttons are buttoned. All of a sudden, now you're looking in the mirror and you're checking sleeves and you're checking, you know, you're checking jewelry, you're checking collars, you're making sure everything's right now because you can't afford it to be any other way. And that might be, I'm not, I'm not calling it a wake up call because listen, you, you shouldn't lose to a team that you're ranked, you know, that you're a three touchdown favorite over. But I, I do see it as a situation where, you know, Georgia can can now, um, it now has a reason to kind of circle the wagons completely and to reevaluate everything and try to get some things figured out offensively and uh, and maybe put these receivers. It, I don't know what it is either. It could be a little bit more of an emphasis on the middle of the field. It could be simplifying some stuff so the wide receivers are playing faster, playing more confident. Um, I mean, it could be something as little as widening some splits on the offensive line and, and giving your running back some some seams to, to kind of get through up there because South Carolina was turning a lot of Georgia's run plays into wedge plays on Saturday, a little short yardage. But there are things that Georgia can do to get better, and, and I'm not intimately involved with the game plan process, so I don't know those, and I've gotten several questions about it today, um, whether on the board or, or on, through direct message. But but sometimes a loss like this can kind of cause you to be like, all right, well we got to change change directions here, or or got to go start doing a little bit more of this because this is working, and um, and you've seen offensive coordinators do it in the past, and James Coley has that opportunity now, and the the fortunate thing for Georgia is that it does still have all of its goals ahead of it, and uh, and, and that's something that that can can keep this team motivated and keep it going. Uh, let's jump into a break real quick. 
uh, and, and let, let these uh, let these folks talk about their products for just a second, and then we'll come back on the other side, and and, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more kind of about the, you know the rest of the season and the expe- expectations for the rest of the year, and uh, hopefully we'll get to uh, to a couple of the other big games that we saw this weekend. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, expectations Still high in Athens. You can bet they're still high in Georgia's locker room. Kip, what are your expectations for Georgia the rest of the year? I think the only thing this game changes for Georgia is that they're not they're not going to go twelve and zero, and and have that you know that mulligan of being able to lose the SEC title game and still get in the playoff. And then the goal for any team to get in the college football playoff should be to win twelve games. I mean that's it. You win 12 games, you're 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 going to get in unless you do not have a championship game to play in. You go 12 and one, you know, it's going to be tough for the the playoff committee to not have you in the game. So I think for Georgia, that's it. I mean, now the the target is clear. You know, you got to win out, and, and that's it. And I think the reality for that is that. Playoff contending teams have a loss like this. I know that the initial reaction from a lot of fans is that there's no way this team can do that. There's no way that this team is going to struggle to make it to the SC championship. You know, this team is is destined for, for several losses. And while, you know, that might be what happens, at the same time, there's so much precedent. Like I said before, I mean, again, that Alabama Ole Miss loss was was – an ugly, ugly loss. And you mentioned before, I mean, Clemson's had losses to Pitt. They've lost to Syracuse. You know, in Ohio State, like I said, they lost to Virginia Tech. And this happens. And I mean, at, how often is Georgia going to have a game where they lost the turnover battle, you know, four to nothing? It, it, it's not that often that something like that happens. I mean, Georgia had over 200 yards more offense they did. Now, granted, they ran a ton of plays to get those those yards, so they were not efficient. But again, this game was just there. It was just a, a ton of errors that mounted up and, and made it impossible for them to overcome. And they still had a chance to win this game, in, you know, in both overtime periods. You know, so I think when you look at the turnovers and you you look ahead to the rest of the season. You know, that's just the likelihood of that happening again is still going to be low. And so this still appears to be more of an aberration than the norm. Now, there's plenty of reason to be upset with the quality of Georgia's play overall in that game. And when you start looking, you know, again, at the how inefficient they were offensively, there's a lot of question marks there that they have to answer, you know, over the, the course of this month. You know, that's when we're, we're going to find out. I mean, they're going to come back against Kentucky. We're going to learn a lot about the team and, and you know, how they ha- respond to this adversity. And then, you know, they're going to go down to Jacksonville and, and, and play Florida. You know, so it, it's a big game and, and it's still every goal is in front of them. That, that 
Alabama team that had that bad loss, they didn't lose again. You know, they didn't lose another game the rest of the season. And, and as Jake mentioned, I mean, Georgia coming off a loss has played inspired football in back-to-back seasons. And, and they have the capability, they have the players, as Rusty said, to do it again. This team's got plenty of talent. And now they know what their issues are and they have an opportunity to go back and work on it. And I'm not, I'm not saying and maybe Georgia doesn't do what Alabama did, but there's precedent for it to happen. And all this did for Georgia is eliminate the margin for error. And when, when you don't have that margin for error, sometimes you, you don't have the complacency either. You know, you have that sink or swim mentality and it allows you to have that, you know, that laser focus. So uh, Georgia's got the opportunity to, to fine tune some things and to come out and play the kind of football that, that had them as a top five preseason team. I still think they had the capabilities to do that as well. So for me, I think the expectations haven't changed one bit. The only thing that's changed is the margin for error. Rusty, uh, any thoughts on the expectations for this team uh, for, for the rest of the year and, and maybe your expectations? Yep, summed it up right there. Um, nothing's changed. Just, just don't you don't. I use golfing analogy. You just can't hit a wedge in the woods. You got to stay in the fairway. You got to stay in play. There's no margin of error, and that's okay. Uh, Shannon Terry, our CEO, had a tweet today about uh, there's four or five teams able to win this national championship. I still think there's four, five, six teams that can win this thing, and. You know, his comment was LSU-Alabama is going to be a first playoff game. Probably will be. Uh, it's hard to imagine, you know, that the loser Alabama-LSU could be out, which is truthfully could happen. So Georgia on their side, you know, they've got Kentucky this week. Can't overlook anything. But, man, just sitting here today thinking about that Florida game and, and what it means. And, I mean, how big a win was that for LSU last night for Georgia's chances? Because, you know, that, that if that game happens, man, uh, just think if that Florida wins that, that game and then beats Florida you, somehow, and then you look at that Auburn game, it goes up even bigger. So every game is important now. Georgia could very well win every game on their regular season schedule left, and that's all that matters until if you were to get to the SEC championship. But, uh, you know, the, the margin of error is gone. We just It's just – that's that's how you can sum this whole thing up. They got the Jimmys and the Joes. They've got a junior quarterback. They got running backs. They got offensive linemen. They got defense. Um, and I'll say this. I'm, I'm going to say this after watching it. I'm a firm believer they should have gave Rodrigo a shot there. Uh, maybe. You know, like the announcer said, nobody knows him better than Kirby Smart, so maybe 60 is not good for him. I roll my dice on that kid. I think he's earned that right, uh, but he didn't get the one. It was 42, so uh, you know, you know you'll never know. But my opinion, right there, that's my only thing I'll mention that we haven't really talked to him. I think they should have gave him a shot right there, but uh, they didn't. And, and, and Georgia lost yesterday. So, but the rest of the year, it, it's it's there for them. I am very, very, very interested for a lot of reasons. This is going to tell you. This is going to tell you where Kirby Smart is and where his program is and where this team is, if they come out and they're focused the rest of the year, it just tells you it was a very, very, very bad hiccup on their schedule, uh, a loss 
two or three losses, there's bigger problems internally. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. And, and I'll say this. Um, all right. Go a little bit different direction with the expectations. But before I say that, I want to say that, all right, this team can beat anybody. And I think everybody in the country realizes that. You ask any, you go talk to any of these college football writers, Bruce Feldman, Barrett Salee, uh, whoever, they're, they're all going to tell you, yeah, Georgia's got the roster to, to beat anybody on any given day. Now, I don't necessarily know that you've always been able to say that, that, that Georgia has a legit opportunity to beat everybody. I mean, Georgia stood toe-to-toe with inferior rosters with some good teams before uh, and, and had chances to win those games. But But I think Georgia's – obviously at a higher level in terms of talent now than it than it has been in a long, long time. And and I think Georgia can go toe-to-toe and beat anybody. If it gets better, it definitely can, can go to toe-to-toe and beat anybody. But with that said, I can't say it's my expectation that Georgia's going to win out. I, I'd, I'd love to be able to watch that Kentucky game, and I may feel a little different after that when I see that team kind of come out and see how they play and how they've responded to all that. I may change it. Don't necessarily think expect this team to win out for the rest of the season because November's a gauntlet. I mean, November is Florida, Missouri, Auburn, Texas A&M, and then obviously, I, I mean, if Georgia Tech beats Georgia, I mean, this place may cease to exist. I don't. That's not going to happen. But um, you know, that's those are four tough games in a row. Those are four games against teams that can beat you. Four games that are against teams that are probably better than South Carolina in a row. All right, and you know, the odds of you coming out being as sharp as you can possibly be in all four of them are, are, aren't very high, although there are there's a chance it could happen. So you you have to look at all of those things when you're considering this, but. I don't necessarily expect Georgia to win all the games, but I do expect Georgia to get better. I expect offensively for Demetrius Robertson, Dominic Blaylock, and and George Pickens to become a bigger part of the offense. I do think Georgia's going to change some things offensively, and that's not coming. That's just reading the tea leaves, folks. That's not me saying, yeah, you know, that's not after a conversation with James Coley this morning. Okay, don't talk to I don't talk to Coach Coley. Um, you know, I have sources inside the building, but but it's not like they've told me anything about what they plan to do going forward. I do think that this team is going to change some things up offensively, just kind of reading into what Kirby Smart had to say after the game. I do expect Georgia to be a more focused team coming forward. Going forward, I really think push comes to shove, Georgia's going to win at least one of two against Auburn and, and Florida. I think Georgia's going to win one of those games. I do like the Bulldogs against Florida. I've liked that matchup since before the season, and Florida's better than I thought they were going to be. Uh, I was really impressed with them Saturday night against LSU, went into the swamp, played some really good football, danced out, danced just outside the fire a lot with some of those long drives and some of the plays they made and Got a little ball bounced their way a couple times, but but that's going to be a tough game and it's going to be a big one. But I do think Georgia has what it takes to to get through the rest of this slate and to get itself in a position to where we're thinking a lot differently about this team on that first Saturday in in December than we are right now. Uh, before we close this thing up, Rusty, what were your thoughts on Florida LSU? I tell you what, uh, Florida's wide receivers are, are legit, and Van Jefferson and and, and Pitts and uh, Grimes, I mean, they're going to be a problem. You know, Georgia's going to have to match up with those guys. Uh, Trask, you know, made some plays. I mean, all the way through the third quarter, that was impressive. I don't care who you like, who you follow. That was impressive to watch Florida at night in Baton Rouge. 
the thing that surprised me was um, the the matchup of um, Pitts against the against the LSU um, secondary. You know, uh, and you look at the at Florida secondary, who who you know they they got a lot. Henderson, Trey Dean, all those guys. They didn't have a best second half, so I, I wonder a little bit there. Now we'll say we know that Florida played without two pass rushers. You know when Zaninga went down, uh, that that didn't help them at all. But you know they went after Henderson a, a pretty good bit uh, last night, and uh, LSU with, with their guy that was a hell of a game to watch. But man, I tell you what, um, you you look at Burrow and what LSU, and I told you last week, I was very high on them, and I wanted to see them this week. Man, November the 9th in Tuscaloosa, what are they, number one or number two right now? I don't know if that's going to change before then. That is going to be another LSU-Alabama game that's going to be hyped through the ceiling. Uh, and this time, what was the last time, 9-6, to six, that game? I don't believe it's going to be 9-6. to six. This, that, that might be 49-46. to 46. I mean, both of those offenses have playmakers. They have quarterbacks. That one's going to be fun to watch. I'm so interested in how the rest of the season plays out, but um, Florida impressed me for three quarters, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Kip, what were your thoughts on that game, man? Well, first, I want to point out that, Russ, you were so high on them, you didn't have them in, your, uh, in, that, in that top four when, when Jake and me – He trolled us. He trolled Jake, us. Jake, Jake, Jake and me, we, we put ourselves out there and had them one, two, and here we are. I did uh, one, We're two. looking golden right now. Okay, so I, first off, I just want to had to point that out. But you know, I was impressed with this how many third down conversions Florida was. I mean, I think they had like nine third down conversions in that game, and it was crazy because LSU put up over five hundred yards of offense in that game. They only had four third downs in the game. Like I don't know the last time I've even seen that where a team only has four third downs in the game, and they, and they only converted one of them. You Kip, know, I'll say, hey, I, I want to stop you there real quick. I'll tell you this uh, quick little funny story just because it fits right in. Uh, I was after Georgia beat South Carolina in 2015, you know, Steve Spurrier, the, the Grayson Lambert game, all that stuff. I go down and the elevators come out right where the opposing co- coaches are doing their press conference. And Steve Spurrier was just getting started with his press conference. And he looked on the sheet and I can't remember how many third downs in that, in that game. I think it was five. I think Georgia had five in that game. And he goes, and one of the first things he says is, wait a minute, they only have five third, third, third downs? Man, that can't be right. So, yeah, that's that, if you're a coach, you want you want a team trying 12, 13, 14 third downs, not five. So that's, that's definitely a low number. Yeah, and so, I mean, Kyle Trash showed me a lot, but just, again, the third down passes, he was continually extending the drives. And, and really, LSU's just – super efficient on offense i think you know outside of alabama it, it it'd be tough to to find a better wide receiver duo than what they're able to the the field right now and jamar chase and justin jefferson which is what you know kind of when we were going into our game predictions i thought that would be the difference and it you know it did turn out to be that for them but at the same time they're I mean, they're averaging they were averaging like 10 yards of play uh so i, I just the LSU offense right now is humming. I'm interested to see what really happens, you know, again, this weekend for Florida. Now they're taking on a South Carolina team that just had a signature win. You know, they're they're on a high. And obviously that Alabama-LSU game is going to be, I mean, 
again, the the game of the year. And, you know, Alabama's defense, you know, before the season, all the injuries, they've started, the, they've mounted up and, and they are giving up, you know, points and, and yards right now each week. It, I'm interested to see if, you know, maybe that helps them as far as just gaining that experience when they, when they go into play LSU, these, these younger players. But at the same time, it's going to be tough for me to just predict that Alabama is going to be able to, to stifle that LSU offense just the way that it's playing right now. So I'm interested in seeing that. And then also, I mean, don't look now, but Missouri's starting to get it going a little bit too. And, you know, there's a chance that when Georgia plays them, they could be what? Eight and one, not nine and one on the year, and, and so that yep. that could end up being a top twenty matchup, two top twenty teams in, in that game as well. So we're starting to see some teams kind of emerge. I think Kyle Trash showed me that he's a guy that can win a big game for Florida right now. They can rely on him. I think that uh, LSU offense is really something special, something we have not seen really from the Tigers at all. So just Something to keep an eye on moving forward. I think the SEC East is starting to get, you know, there's some drama there. I mean, if Missouri can pull off a big win against a team they're not expected to, again, Florida or Georgia or both, uh, you could start to really, I mean, that could throw a monkey wrench into, into the, who's going to be representing the East in that SEC championship game. And, you know, I think that they're, they're getting better play from Kelly Bryant now. They had that first week loss where we didn't know what to think when they lost to Wyoming. But they're playing better football now, and it's just something that, you know, you, you should definitely keep it on Missouri because they're starting to put some points on the board. Yeah, the one thing that's going to hurt them is is not I think long term is not having Kale Garrett there at inside linebacker, one of the best inside linebackers in the conference, and a guy that's going to play on Sundays. I came away from that LSU Florida game really impressed with both teams, impressed with how LSU ran the football. I thought Florida was was extraordinary at you, and you hit on this with the third down thing, just. The play when they needed it for three quarters, they made it. And whether it was the batted ball in the air that that uh, 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 P Ryan came down with in the end zone, or or the third down plays, I mean they they kept coming up with the plays to stay in that game. Took a lead uh, on their first drive of the second half and just came down the field. I thought that staff did a really good job of of having. Uh, Florida coached up and having a good plan against an LSU team. They just had no answers for them defensively, and LSU just hit big play after big play, and um, that that's just kind of how it goes. I'm also interested in seeing the Alabama game because that Florida secondary is legit. I think that that uh, LSU, um, I, I wasn't certain. Like I, it was one of those things where you know I was thinking to myself, well, LSU's got this great offense and everything, but. You know, when they run into Alabama, I think Alabama's going to do a better job of limiting them than than most realize, and and I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I'm leaning more towards Rusty's area of things, uh, uh, maybe more like a 38-35 type game, but I see it being a close one and one where a lot of points are scored. It's going to be fun to watch. And uh, we're going to have Georgia-Kentucky covered for you. Game time announced on Sunday that Georgia – uh, and Kentucky will kick off at 6 p.m. Eastern on S on the uh, ES on ESPN. Sorry, and uh, I'm not sure they won't be getting ESPN's uh, number one crew, Sean McDonough and Todd Blackledge. Uh, those guys will be covering Tennessee, Alabama at 9 p.m. 
but but uh, don't know yet know who's going to have the call on that game. But it'll be a 6 p.m. game, and, and Georgia needs a bounce back. Georgia's got to come back hard, come back quick from, from that loss from South Carolina. They've got to come back focused and play a good brand of football, and we'll have this week of practice covered for you, recruiting all that stuff over at dogs247.com. But for now, I'm Jake Rowe. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. And this has been the Junkyard Dogcast. Take care, everybody.